Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. First up, the BC Technology Report Card. It comes out every two years, and well, it's now an even year, so we've got the latest one in BC. It's actually some very good, encouraging results. We're going to dig deep into that with Jill Tipping. She's the CEO of the BC Tech Association. That's coming up in just a moment. I also want to tell you about, well, look, it's Black Friday. I think I'm going to be shopping. I I usually put it off until Boxing Day, but I think I'm going to make some purchases this year. So I get the chance to talk to Kelly Askew. He's a managing director of strategy, professional services firm Accenture. We're going to talk all about Black Friday, how a lot of these holiday shopping trends are changing. Before we get there, though, here's Jill Tipping. With us now, it's Jill Tipping, CEO of the BC Tech Association. Jill, great to have you on the show for the very first time. Delighted to be here, Tyler. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so before we get into these results here and what they mean, tell us a little bit about what the BC Technology Report Card is and maybe what the goal is behind evaluating the province as you guys are doing. Sure. Well, we're um, an industry that is very, very data-driven. So uh, back in 2012, we decided that there was a real need to do a survey of what the economic indicators were for our province, both economic output indicators for the tech sector and inputs. And we partnered up with KPMG. And since then, we've produced a report card every two years so that we can see how we're doing, where we're strong, where we're weak, and what the trend is over time. So we had the last one back in 2016. I recall that one. How have we been doing in the last two years then, Jill? Well, we have been doing really well, um, and particularly on economic outputs. So um, this year, uh, with this report card, for the third time, BC will be getting an A grade on our tech sector compared to the other sectors in BC's economy. And for the very first time, we're scoring an A grade against other Canadian provinces. So we're delighted that in a Canada that's thriving on technology, BC is doing really well. So that's one full letter grade up for our uh, how we are versus other provinces. So what happened as in those intervening two years as we go from a B grade to an A grade versus the rest of Canada? Are we getting that much better? Are other Canadian provinces, and I don't think this is the case, but are other Canadian provinces maybe falling behind? They're not falling behind. No, that wouldn't be fair. And to be honest, we're all doing really quite well. So it's a it's a positive story across the country. But we're edging ahead. So our revenue growth, the growth of revenue for tech companies in BC has has grown faster than the revenue growth of other provinces in Canada mm-hmm. as a whole. And our GDP growth, our, our economic contribution is also higher. Um, so we've done, we've edged ahead of others, but we're all doing quite well. So one of the things that you bring up here in this report, and I, th- I think it's something also very close to your heart here, is that maybe what BC can improve on is the development and the scalability of more anchor companies, more technology anchor companies here in this province. Tell us a little bit, I mean, how do we go about doing this? Because it could be a daunting task, but there must be you know some strategy behind this. Why is this important? And then B, how do we go forward and make this happen? Oh, fantastic question. So... Um, So I think it's really quite striking when we look at BC. Um, We see that we've got a fantastic uh, startup sector. And we also see that we've got some some fabulous large technology companies. 
But where we're missing um, is is in that missing middle. So I, I call them, um, you know, homegrown anchor tech companies. And I'm, what I mean by that is companies that are maybe 100 to 200, 300 employees um, and that, that generate revenues of 25 million to 100 million to 200 million. So it's that, that mid-sized company when you've moved beyond the startup stage and you're starting to really get some traction and build some employment and create spinoffs and, and show others how scale can be achieved. And then from that population, you get the large companies of the future. And BC's really weak on that. Um, but as you say, it's that that's not an easy problem to solve for. Um, and and it, it's actually a big call to action that BC Tech has embraced. So we want to see a doubling of the number of homegrown anchor companies, that category I've just talked about. And we think it needs several different things to happen to achieve it. The first one is that we need more talent. The second is that we need more funding for programs that help companies scale. And the third is that we need a concerted effort to make sure that our environment, the environment within which every company operates, incents growth and incents scale and doesn't incent small. Well, okay. So one of the things you bring up here uh, that I'm very curious about is more funding uh, for companies to scale. Mm -hmm. Now, are, are we talking about maybe access to, say, some of the venture capital that is out there? Or are we talking about something very much like the BC Tech Fund that the government introduced a few years back, um, which maybe is more geared towards, say, Series A in a lot of the cases? But uh, tell me a little bit mm -hmm. about where we go about finding access to this funding. Sure. So I think there's um, I think there's a, a few different ways. So one is yes, it's, it's we, we notice that one of the things in the report card where we are sort of saying, hey, we need to do a bit better on this, is on access to capital. So we've done quite well with increasing deal size last, uh, in this report card, but we still see an overall challenge with the aggregate level of funding available. So the BC Tech Fund was a great injection of additional capital into a into an ecosystem that that needed it. Um, and we'd love to see that funding, um, some follow-through funding for the BC Tech Fund. That would be helpful. Um, and that enables investment for individual companies. We've, I'd also, though, really like to see a much more active approach to the funding of programs that can help companies. So when we look at what other provinces in Canada do, um, Ontario in particular is really strong at this. They really support their companies with funding to enable them to participate in growth programs, but scale programs as well. Um, so actually, BC Tech is launching a new program in January called Hyperscale to tackle exactly this program. And we, we we're launching it uh, just with one cohort, but we're actively approaching the federal government and the provincial government and encouraging them to help us uh, run this program across the province. So I feel, Jill, as if uh, come January, you and I are going to be doing another conversation because uh, <laughs> I'm very fascinated about this hyperscale program. But it's sticking to this report card uh, here, sure. uh, it's not just uh, a Vancouver store. And I think that maybe a lot of people, especially those that might live in Vancouver, think that this is a, maybe a Vancouver technology report card. But it's really about BC. Tell us a lot about what's going on in other parts of the province where technology is taking off there, too. Absolutely. And um, one of the things I'm really proud about is is, um, is the partnerships that we've developed with different um, tech industry uh, associations across the province. So, so Viatech, who's doing a fantastic job in Victoria and Accelerate Okanagan, um, is, are, great, are key partners for us and they're running fantastic programs and supporting companies in their sectors. Um, there's now uh, 700 uh, tech companies in Kelowna, I believe, and 900 in Victoria, and they're just, they are fantastic contributors 
to the growth that we're seeing in this report card. But there's tech companies right across the problem. A lot of BC's tech companies, and this isn't always understood, but a lot of BC's tech companies are working hand in hand in partnership with companies in traditional sectors, helping them solve problems, whether those are clean problems or efficiency problems or helping their employees access tools and learnings. So there's technology right across provinces, really not a lower mainland story alone. Yeah, moving forward, uh, what do you think is kind of the challenge with regards to the talent crunch? I, I feel it's something like we're talking about again and again, and I, I think it also is indicative of how much growth there's going on in the tech sector, that there is this demand for talent. Are there ways that we can go about increasing our access to it? Yeah, there really is. And I, I think it has to start with the basics. Um, so just what is the funding for um, uh post-secondary education to help you get the qualifications that you need in the tech sector. And we were really delighted to get the funding for an additional thousand places um, announced in January this year. That was a, that was a fantastic shot in the arm and really important, but frankly, we could use two to three times as much to keep up with the Mm -hmm. sector's growth. Um, So we would like to see that. We'd also like to see a sort of broadening of the definition of what is a tech relevant job because uh, not everything needs a four-year degree. There's some fantastic shorter programs going on. Um, BCIT in particular is an institution that's really entrepreneurial and fast-moving and developing curriculum and rolling out new programs. So they're doing great work. Um, but there's also shorter programs where people who um, have expertise perhaps in sales or marketing or supply chain can start to experiment with other um, other things like uh, like like coding or understanding how Uh, Data can help drive efficiencies for them. And I think we need to get smarter about uh, creating a tech-enabled workforce rather than just people who are tech and people who are non-tech. And then the final piece is we have to, as an industry, uh, really embrace the challenge of how are we going to get more women and and, and other underrepresented groups as well. But how are we going to get more women into technology as a career? What do we have to do to explain what the careers are really like and help people understand just what it could look like for, for them to be a tech worker in BC? Well, uh, Jill, I can say this for myself. I got to read uh, through uh, a big chunk of the report card ahead of our conversation. Uh, very, very encouraging stuff going on. And I encourage anyone, uh, maybe go to BIV.com. You can uh, read our story about it. But uh, Jill, if somebody wants to read the thing in and of itself, what where's maybe the best place to go? Best place uh, to go is the BC Tech uh, website um, and, or follow us on Twitter. So at we are BC Tech because we will inundate you with tweets <laughs> over the coming day. <laughs> Excellent. Highlights from the report. Excellent. Well, uh, Jill, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Tana. That's Jill Tipping, CEO of the BC Tech Association. And stay with us. We'll be back right after this. And joining us today, it's Kelly Askew. He is Managing Director Strategy at the professional services firm Accenture. Kelly, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask you this. Are you a Black Friday kind of shopper or are you more of a, a, a Boxing Day kind of shopper? This is something that I think a lot of Canadians are still debating. You know, I think I think they have very different purposes, Tyler. And, and personally, I'll certainly scan the Black Friday deals for for special door crashery types of items. 
when it comes to buying things for myself, uh, I'll tend to wait the Boxing Day because I'll I'll get in less trouble for shopping for myself after the holidays than I right. do before the holidays. <laughs> so we see that there is kind of a big change in the way that Canadians are shopping. I, I remember maybe just uh, five, six years ago, Black Friday seemed to be more of a novelty. It's something maybe you drive across the border, do some shopping there. Maybe a couple Canadian retailers were picking up on it. I think things have changed quite a bit. Are, are you feeling that in the retail landscape here in Canada? Yeah, you know, Tyler, Accenture's been doing a survey for seven years now. And when we first started it, like you said, Black Friday was a bit of a novelty that it was something that um, people had heard about doing little shopping trips across the border with a gang and, and spending the day at the malls. But it started to appear in Canada. And we've seen it climb every year of the survey in terms of the number of people that are going to shop it until this year. Um, and most of that has been at the expense of a boxing day, by the way. So people have been holding their big, uh, their big purchases um, on Black Friday instead of what they might have done in Boxing Day. But I think I think we could say that that we've hit a peak in terms of Black Friday's penetration. And this year, for the first time, we've heard from shoppers that um, fewer of them are going to shop as a big event on Black Friday than than did last year. Oh, really? Uh, and that's curious to me. I, I've personally been like scrolling through my own uh, flyers, but this is just anecdotal on my part. Do we get any sense why people are kind of changing their views Black Friday just for this year in particular? Yeah, and I, I think it, it it was a slowing trend, Tyler. I think the, the interesting thing is um, other companies like Amazon have disrupted this holiday buying trend that, that had been growing over the years. And frankly, it's been around for 30 or 40 years, this uh, this big crush right before the holidays. Um, and now the sales are happening all throughout the year. So Amazon is offering prime days a couple of times through the year. So people are doing their holiday buying all year long, uh, as opposed to just compartmentalizing it in the last six weeks of the year. The other thing that is uh, that you brought up... Uh, the, the, so not, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's not a case of people shopping less on the holidays. It's just they're spreading it out a little more than on those those couple of peak days that we used to see. You, you brought up something I want to dig into right now, but the, the so-called Amazon effect. And I'm wondering whether we should be keeping uh, maybe a closer eye on, on what this e-commerce emergence really means for some of the smaller retailers, as well as kind of those uh, big box brick and mortar stores that a lot of people shop at. Is this going to be maybe a, a tougher holiday season just as Amazon grows in terms of influence on our shopping habits? Well, the promotions for holiday shopping have always been a game of, of me too. So when the first Canadian retailers started rolling out Black Friday sales quickly, everybody had to. And now your little neighborhood uh, handmade shop is probably having a Black Friday sale as well because they felt they had to do it to get in the game. So while Amazon has led with its Prime Day, I think it's only a matter of time until the other retailers decide to match it and have their own special events earlier in the season. And this also uh, makes me think of maybe Canada Post, though. Do you anticipate maybe some people feeling a little bit antsy about what's going on with Canada Post? We did hear from the federal government yesterday that they are pushing uh, for uh, some big changes moving forward. But what do you think that this could do for people's proclivity towards maybe online shopping right now? Well, one of the things we hear uh, constantly is that the expectations around online fulfillment keep 
climbing. So in other words, people want to get their products faster and faster. As soon as you insert uncertainty onto when someone is going to get their package or their, their shipment, um, you're certainly getting introduced out there. So I think for the larger retailers, they have the pockets and the, the wherewithal to switch to alternate delivery methods in the event the Canada Post strike continues. Where I think you're really going to see the negative impact is on the smaller retailers who may not have sufficient margin to pay for an alternate delivery service. Tough go for everybody involved here. And I, we were just coming off you know, discussion about, say, online shopping. But speaking of online, I, I mean, is social media impacting the way that we shop? Like whether we're checking products out on, say, Instagram looking for reviews on Twitter from a lot of our uh, you know, people that we trust, that we follow. What is the impact on social media? Uh, well, definitely. Social media is, is a great confidence booster for anyone making a purchase. When you see someone you know or someone like you or someone you, you aspire to be like endorsing or recommending a product, it certainly makes the decision that much easier. And, and perhaps it, it, it's great for a lazy shopper who doesn't want to do all the research. So we've seen a continual climb of social media's penetration. Um, and in particular, YouTube is, is tremendously effective and, and considered by our, our buyers. So over half of consumers in Canada that answered our survey said that they are going to look at YouTube when making shopping decisions. Almost half were on Instagram as well, which Instagram dropped, jumped from uh, only a quarter last year to almost a half this year of shoppers saying Instagram is going to influence it. It doesn't mean they're shopping on YouTube or on, on Instagram, although that is possible, but it means they're getting inspiration and ideas and maybe endorsement from those different social media platforms. Do you think that is providing retailers maybe the opportunity to get some sort of sponsorship deals going on with a lot of these big, you know, social media influencers that exist. It's something that I've written about in the past, and I'm wondering if you anticipate this is going to be kind of another big trend going on during the big holiday shopping season here in Canada. Well, for sure, Tyra. Anytime that you get a chance to get in front of a consumer's eyeballs or get uh, your message out to them, you're going to take that opportunity. So retailers are already doing this. Uh, they already have identified those individuals who may have the type of following of the customers who are going to buy their products. So that, it started out in fashion, but it certainly extends well beyond that to virtually anything you want to buy. I, I started off our conversation talking about how maybe Black Friday used to be a novelty where you know, you'd know you occasionally drive across the border and look for deals down in the United States. Is that still a thing? I, I mean, I'm curious about whether there's been a, a bigger push for Canadian retailers to give incentives to get Canadians to stick around here? Now, one thing we did see in our survey this year was that Canadians are telling us that they are more inclined than they had been recently to shop at home. So doing their shopping in Canada uh, with Canadian brands has, has dramatically increased this year. So, uh, Kelly, as we wind up here, let's pretend uh, everybody in your family is listening to this podcast. Uh, what's at the top of your list? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Well, that's great. You know, um, I'm always in the mood for new electronic gadgets that make life a little bit easier. Um, and um, as with most dads, um, I am desperately short of socks. So whether you're looking <laughs> for high end or low end, I think you 
your gift ideas for me. Excellent. So, well, uh, Kelly, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. That's Kelly Askew. happy holidays. Oh, thank you so much. That's Kelly Askew. He's Managing Director of Strategy at professional services firm Accenture. And that's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. You can find our archives on iTunes or Stitcher. So please tell your friends to subscribe. Otherwise, go to BIV.com for all our news stories. And we'll see you next time.